This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Doing okay. Yeah. I'm Leah Turner with Delta Dawn Gardens and DeltaDawnGardens.com. And sitting across from me is Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. That's right. And this yeah. is the Horticulture Hangover. Let me give you guys the phone number. You can call or text your gardening questions. 512-836-0590 or 877-590-5525. Yeah, if you want to ask any questions about gardening or just complain about the heat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> we've been doing plenty of that. Mm-hmm. To one another. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for nothing, El Nino. Yeah, really. Come on, man. I thought you were supposed to bring us some cooler weather and some rain. <laughs> I know. What the heck happened? Yeah. Hmm. Boo. It's bad. It's pretty bad, y'all. Um, yesterday, you and I were talking about how we saw like truckloads of plants going down the road and wondering where they were going yeah and wishing people were not planting anything right now yeah i mean it's just the chances of survival of things if you plant them right now are low pretty low yeah i wouldn't i don't think i would plant anything right now except for maybe some cactus and yuccas but even still probably not so well, we have a text message already, Leah. Here we go. Yeah. You want to get? You want to read it? Let's do it. It says, "Good morning. I have ants taking over my okra plants, but I don't want to use a pesticide. What's the best, safest way to get them off?" And um, I. Think. What do you think, Leah? Maybe there's aphids there. That's, that's a good. That's a good thought. Maybe getting rid of the aphids with a strong spray of water would reduce the appeal for the ants. Yeah, usually when there's ants on plants like that, uh, it's because there are tiny insects called aphids living on the underside of the leaves. And the aphids suck the juice out of the plant, and they're bad for the plant, and they poop out sugar water. And then the ants come and eat that. Yep, they harvest it. Kind of gross. It's gross. So what do you do in this situation? I suggested a strong blast of water. Yeah, I think... Any other other organic product to deal with aphids? um, Something you're going to eat? So insecticidal soap, but I think you have to be really careful about when you use insecticidal soap in the summer because there's a chance that it can burn the plants Mm. because it's hot outside. So, because it has salts in it. Okay. It has salt in it. So you have to be careful um, and do it like early in the morning or in the evening. But I think really that's overkill. I think you're right. Leah, I think hard stream of water is the best thing on the underside of the leaves. Yeah. Okay. And we got a picture. Oh. 
says, how do I know when this is ready to pick, please? What is this picture? Looks like some kind of melon. And gosh, I wish I could zoom in on it. Looks like they built a cool uh, harness for it to hold the melon up. It's growing on a trellis. And um, usually a lot of melons uh, have a tiny leaf uh, that's attached to the stem that holds it onto the rest of the plant called a scupper leaf hmm. <laughs> that looks like a little scoop. And when the scupper leaf dies, that's when the melon is ready. Wow. That's one way. But not all melons have scupper leaves. Um. There are tons of tricks to try to figure out when melons are ready. Some varieties uh, detach themselves mm -hmm. from the vine, which is really nice. When I grow melons, I try to look for those types. Um, but really, sometimes you just have to cut it off of the vine and taste it and try it and see. But... Those are my two tips. Yeah. Do you have okay. any? No. No. Yeah, it's really hard. Okay. It's really hard. Yeah, it's one of the harder things I think about growing melons. And we've got another question. Okay. Someone asked about one of my favorite plants. Is it time to cut back heartleaf skullcap? And we know. Yeah. That I love heartleaf skullcap. Yes. One of my favorite plants. Yeah, I would cut it back. It is one of those beautiful summer dormant plants that really likes to grow under deciduous trees in the winter and the spring. Mm -hmm. And then it blooms in May, June. And then by really, you know, certainly by July, it's going dormant. So yeah, I would cut it back. I find that it kind of disappears without needing to be cut back sometimes. It just sometimes. Kind of and goes away on its yeah. own. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I would cut it back for sure. It'll come back, you know, probably February. You'll start seeing it leaf back out. How far down do you cut it? I would cut oh, it yeah. all the way down. All the way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, unless you wanted to leave like a little bit of a stem so you know mm -hmm. like where it is, you know, mm -hmm. just to remind you what it is. Mm -hmm. But if you've got other stuff growing in there and it's kind of messing up the the vibe, I would just cut it all the way down. It'll it'll be fine. It'll come back from the roots. Okay, cool. And they also asked, when is the best time of year to reduce an overgrown ligustrum? <laughs> I would say anytime. 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 That's one tree that you can really hack away at. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was kind of a facetious answer. What do you think, Colleen? No, I agree. I In the summertime, if you trim it in the summertime, that will slow its growth, too. Hmm. So um, I think summer is a really good time to do it right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and yeah, you can't go wrong. Yeah, the one thing I like about They're ligustrums is the seedlings are easy to pull. <laughs> I um, <laughs> But besides that, I don't care for them. Yeah, they're invasive. 
they're low value. They're a low value tree, is what I like to say. So you go ahead and do whatever you need to do. So someone someone called, tried calling in, but got uh, the call got dropped. So please call back. We will um, we'll be here. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to know they just moved all their outdoor potted plants, including big ones like citrus, pomegranate, mangave, agave, aloe, etc. Um, sorry, I moved in all of my outdoor potted plants and looks like they're going to be confined indoors for the duration. Any tips for maintaining these indoors? My windows have UV film. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, Leah, I feel like this is right up your alley. Um, Because you keep a lot of plants that you bring in and out. Yeah, I would say, um, I would say that some of these really would probably do better just on a in a shady patio or something, like or under the eaves of the house, like the pomegranate, agave, aloe. I mean, those guys, the mangave, those are all going to be fine outside. Um, during the summer, even when it's really hot. Yeah. So I would say if you can, I would leave those outside, but maybe put them in the shade. Mm-hmm. And then also they've moved in their citrus plants. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about that, Colleen? Do you think that's a good idea? Yeah, I do. And um, I think if you have to move them indoors for some reason, um, I think just get the sunniest window you can. I don't think the UV film is going to affect the plants that much. Yeah, I don't, I don't know think if they really use UV light. Okay, yeah, I don't know if how that would affect their photosynthesis, but that's an interesting question. Yeah, I don't think that's going to affect them. Um, so as long as they are getting pretty bright light, the only plant in that list that I'm concerned about doing well indoors is the pomegranate mm-hmm. because they really need hot full sun all the time uh, to thrive so that's the only one where I'm like I don't know how that's going to do indoors but agaves too uh, yeah I would be I think they're they're such survivors but um, and then about as far as maintaining them yeah um, Like, I, yeah, I mean, I I think the hardest thing is watering plants indoors. I do too. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too, is like, well, now you're going to have to adjust the watering, mm-hmm. probably not have to water nearly as much no. as you were when they were outdoors, you know? Because it's like 20 degrees cooler inside. Yeah. At least. So. And less light. And if they're really big pots, which they're all pretty big plants, mm-hmm. except maybe the aloes might not be that big, but um, you wouldn't have to water more than like once a week at the absolute at most. most. Yeah. Maybe even less. Yeah. I mean, how, do you have, you have any indoor plants right now, Leah? I still leave most of my plants outdoors just because oh, it's wow. much easier to water them. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I'm 
I have a temporary cat in my house. Who oh likes yeah, to eat the plants, cat situation. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so those those plants are all. Most of the plants are outside right now, mm-hmm. um, and they're you know they're sad, and I have to water them like every day. But mm-hmm. it's just easy to hit them with a watering can outside. So much easier than inside. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My little indoor plants, they're really small. I have like some Sansevierias. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I even with the humidity is really low in the house right now because so the air is just so dry from running the air conditioner all the time. Um, I'm only watering like once every 10 days. And those are in little pots. And they're small. Yeah. Yeah. So bigger pots, you don't have to water as often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've got yeah. a rubber tree that I water maybe once every three weeks or something inside. I barely ever touch it. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So. Yeah. It's tricky. You have to be aware. It's easy to overlove them. Yeah, so we're going to go to a break. Okay. If you've called in, just hang on and we'll we'll get you in a minute. Okay. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. Okay, we're back. Good morning. Good morning. This is the Horticulture Hangover. I'm Leah Turner. Yeah. And I'm Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. Yeah, we have a call. I don't have the name of the caller, but they are from Bastrop, and they have a question about grapes. Hi, you're on KLBJ. Hmm. Sorry, we don't have the call. We're having some trouble with our phones today, <laughs> yeah. y'all. Sorry. Um, if you called... Uh, you can text us instead, please, with your grape question. Yeah, let me try it again. Try it again. Nope. And uh, somebody texted in a minute ago and said, Hi, I just wanted to complain about the weather and sent some emojis that were very funny. Thank you. Yes. And uh, we concur. Yeah, and someone else. Oh, wait, I think the call. Let me try this call again. Okay. Hello, you're on KLBJ. Can you hear me? No, that was so (laughs) anticlimactic. I'm so sorry. Okay, we'll work on this. We'll work on the phones. Someone wrote in and has a bird report. This wonderful bird report. This is delightful. Uh, Bird report. So many birds this morning. Two different types of hummingbirds. Red-shouldered hawk. Scissor tails, fly catchers, and of course, blue jays and cardinals, a summer tanager, tanager, mockingbird, and the usual wrens and sparrows, at least 20 species, and so many butterflies. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. You must have a water source in your oh, yard yeah. if you have that many birds. Yeah, yeah. I bet they do. I bet they do. I have my little um, dish that I put out. It's just a simple dish that like you would, you know, serve turkey on at Thanksgiving or something, you know, like that. that I put in the yard that I put, put some rocks in it and then I fill it with water every day for, and really for the butterflies. But I get a lot of dragonflies in there. Oh, yeah. Too, which is cool. And, um... I don't get mosquitoes because it dries out by the end of the day. Oh, yeah, nice. And so then I just fill it again every morning. 
pretty much. So it's a pretty simple way to make sure that they're they have some water source out there because it's it's tough. Dry, dry, dry. It's but, dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes when I'm watering, hand watering, I feel like the butterflies kind of follow me around mm-hmm. with the hose because they're so thirsty mm-hmm. and they're like, just want to sit on a leaf and drink some water. Yeah, yeah, I know. And you and I were talking yesterday about fallen fruit. Oh, yeah. And how important it is to leave, if you have any fruit trees that drop fruits, to leave a few of them on the ground or all of them in my case because I don't, I just haven't wanted to pick them up um even though it's not great for the fruit trees to have tons of dead like rotting fruit Mm -hmm. on the ground because it can spread tree disease but it's really good for the butterflies and the bees because they'll sit and drink they'll be able to drink the juice coming out of the fruit so if you have you know everybody has birds and squirrels like knocking the fruit onto the ground you know and if you just leave a few of them for the the pollinators, it's really good for them at this time of year yeah, as a water source. source. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's. I mean, it's a little bit like the sugar water feeders for hummingbirds. Mm-hmm. You know? I wonder if the hummingbirds would visit the fallen fruits. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how their little beaks work. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Well, if anyone has seen hummingbirds um, on fallen fruit, let us know. Yeah. I want to give a shout out. I met some wonderful people this week who are customers of mine from the Tula Hat Company at tulahats.com. And um, I showed up at their house. They hired me to do a consultation for them. They had some questions about some oak trees that had been damaged in the ice storm in February and they were concerned about the structural integrity of those trees so I came out and helped them and I showed up at their front door wearing a Tula hat wearing and I love those hats I was wearing the hat and um, they were like oh you're wearing a Tula hat I was like yeah I love these hats it's the only hats I wear and they were like well that's our company and I was like, that's so awesome. That's so cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And they showed me their warehouse that they have on site at their house. No way. Full of hats. Yeah, it was really neat. Yeah, those hats are cool. so cute. I got one. Yeah. I bought one in San Antonio at this store called Montage, which is like a vintage mm. store. And I thought it was a vintage hat because I was like, oh, this is such a cool like 70s hat. I'm oh. So into it. And I bought it and then I like looked it up and I was like, oh no, this is like a new hat. Oh. <laughs> but it was like great price point, cute hat. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're made in Mexico at in a village where they have been making hats for like four hundred years. And um it's fair trade and they're made out of renewable palm fibers from palm trees and they don't have to cut down them. They just take the palm leaves oh, nice. off of the trees twice a year. Yeah. That the you know how palm trees grow, they lose their leaves anyway. Right. So it's a very like eco-friendly and fair um, business. So I'm really delighted to tell everybody that I met the Tula Hats folks this week. T-U-L-A. T-U-L-A. And you have a cute them. logo They're, too. Uh-huh. I love the logo. They're all over town and lots of, you know, they sell them at Natural Gardener and stuff. Okay, we, great. we got a question. Mm. 
We mm-hmm. might have to go to a break in a second, but mm-hmm. let's just get the question read out. Okay. What does it take to grow grape plants? Mm. Could a plant with yellow flowers called bear's foot interfere with them? The plants are not growing well, and the leaves are turning brown. Now, Colleen, before we go to the break, what do you think is the yellow flower plant called bear's foot? Do you think it's bear's breeches? Uh, the f- um, no. As the can't the smallest Grecian pattern. Because they're not yellow. Yeah. Bears so we'll, we'll, uh, let's uh, cogitate on that during we'll, the break. Yeah, we'll mull I it over. That's a tough question. And I think we can come we, up with a good answer while during the commercials. And we're, we know you tried to call. I'm <laughs> so, so sorry. sorry. <laughs> Thank you for texting and for being patient. Yeah, but we'll get okay. to your question right after this break. Okay. Welcome to the Horticulture Hangover on News Radio KLBJ. You're in the right place to get answers to all of your questions about your lawn, garden, trees, and more. Here are your hosts, Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good morning, y'all. Is your mic on? Good morning, (laughs) y'all. Good morning. Um, we're working on this question from a very patient listener. Thank you for your patience um, about grapes. And they sent us a great picture of their little grapevine um, surrounded by another plant with yellow flowers that we're trying to identify. Mm-hmm. Um, and the grapevine is not doing great. So I just want to say you've done a good job of keeping that other plant away from the grapevine, um, which is really important when you have any kind of fruit producing plant, whether it's grapes or, you know, fruit trees like peaches and apples. You want to keep other plants away from the base of the tree while they're getting established um, because they really have a hard time competing with the other plants. They're sensitive. And um, I want to make sure it it looks real sad. I wonder if it's newly planted, but it has some new leaves on it that look really good. So I think it may still be going through transplant shock if it was just planted this year or maybe even last year. So just keep doing what you're doing. Give it about... um, 15 gallons of water once a week and um, it's going to need something to climb on because they are vines so it's going to need a a really big sturdy trellis um, to climb on Uh, so you need to get that in order before the plant gets much bigger but I think you're doing okay I know it looks sad but those new leaves look really good Mm -hmm. yeah and so I'm not sure what this plant is that's growing. It's like a tall um, tall plant with yellow flowers, and it has a, what I would describe as a lobed leaf. Um, yeah. I haven't seen that plant. One of our other listeners uh, suggested something called gumweed. Same person. Same person? Oh, yeah. I see. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe it's called, I just looked up gumweed and what I saw did not look the same as this. Um, so I do not know. I said it looks like Mexican arnica. Um, so 
Oh, and they just wrote and said, I planted the grape about two months ago and I have the trellis ready to put in the ground. Well, that grapevine looks exactly the way I would expect it to look if it had just been planted two months ago because Mm -hmm. it's just been, it's had a horrible life since it's been put in the ground because it's been so hot. So just keep going. It's okay. In the future, if you're going to plant woody plants like grapes, fruit trees, any kind of tree or shrub, it's best to plant them in the winter. So really between September 15th and April 1st, uh, April 1st at the absolute latest, and they'll do better. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about what's what we're seeing here too. I'm noticing there's Bermuda grass growing around the base of the plant. Oh. And in addition to these other, um, what look like perennial weedy plants, um, what do you think about that, Colleen? Do you think that Bermuda is a problem? Will it be competing for nutrients with the grape, or is it is it a moot point? Would I think you- it's kind of a moot point. Like, it might be competing with the grape, but the thing is, you can't remove it. You know, the Bermuda grass is just so, mm-hmm. uh, you know difficult to remove that it's not even worth trying you just have to hand weed it just make sure if you get plants growing like Bermuda grass around um around the plants like just hand pull it don't use any mowing equipment because you might hit hit the plant Mm -hmm. with the mowing equipment and that could kill it yeah, and so. I could probably pull some of these weeds that are um, some of these the taller plants because they might just be blocking some light to it yeah. and airflow. Yeah, but yeah. I think it looks okay to me. Yeah. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. Thank you for that question and for the pictures and for your patience. And we have another call. All right. Okay. See. So we've got Kevin works. in South Austin. Let's okay. see if this works. Hello, Kevin. No. Oh, our phone system is not working today. I'm getting a picture of a lock on the phone. Something locked. Sorry, Kevin. Kevin, we're so sorry. (laughs) Um, If you can text us instead, that would be really great. And we have another text message from someone else that says, Good morning. What is your suggestion for plant shock? I know it's not the right time, but um, transplanted a plumbago maybe or to another location. It was well established, says Jeffrey in Southwest Austin. Thanks, Jeffrey. Um, Well, uh, I know sometimes you just have to move plants, you know, at the wrong time and... um, the best you can do is make sure that the plant has some mulch around it um, to protect the soil and try to keep the soil cool. Try to keep the soil wet like a wrung out sponge. Yeah, and I mean, part of it is waiting, just waiting mm-hmm. for the the heat to subside. I would also mm-hmm. add that when I have to transplant something when it's the wrong time to move it, what mm-hmm. I usually do is I will put it in a container. And I will mm. leave it in the container until I'm ready to put it in the ground mm. because that is makes it easier to keep it watered. And I find that like when you put something in a container for a little bit and let it set some roots out, I tend to have a little bit better luck. Oh, that's interesting. Transplanting things. Okay. Um, so yeah, I have my little 
nursery. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then I guess too, because then you could keep the container in the shade. Yeah. Even if it's a f- sun loving plant, it would appreciate some shade. Until it's so that's ready to true. be moved. Yeah. One thing I've seen people do is to put like a little um, tomato cage over the plant and then put some shade cloth oh, yeah. over the tomato cage. I've never done that myself, but I think that's a pretty clever way to give the plant a little bit of shade in its sure. new location while it's trying to get established. Yeah, so, that's a great idea because yeah. it's already on the ground. So yeah, cover it with a little you know. shade cloth mm-hmm. with a tomato cage. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good move. And I think we are, we're coming up okay. on another break. Um, let's see, we have more texts coming. And we'll get to you after the break. Yeah, thanks y'all. This is Horticulture Hangover with Colleen Dieter and Leah Turner. Call or text your lawn and garden questions to 512-836-0590. All right, we're back. Yeah. Oh, good morning, y'all. This is the real us. Yeah, this is <laughs> Colleen Dieter with ATXGardens.com. Yeah, and I'm Leah Turner with Delta Dawn Gardens. And we have a, a, a update Mm-hmm. from a listener who texted in some helpful information about grapes. Yeah. The person said, you might want to mention that the only grapes that work here in our heat are varieties that are resistant to Pierce's disease. Mm-hmm. Do not buy things like Concord grapes at a big box store. Yes. That grows in Concord, Massachusetts, yeah. not Texas. Mm-hmm. You do want to plant Victoria Red, Black Spanish, Champanel, and Blanc du Bois. Yes. Those are great suggestions. That's a great idea. That's why you want to buy fruit plants, trees, and um, vines from local nurseries as much as possible Mm -hmm. because they will know what's going to grow here. Yeah, I agree with that. I've had good experience with Black Spanish in particular. Um, We got another text from my buddy Don Bennett. Hello, Don. Good morning. You said to cut your sages back in half... By July, Jeff Ferris said, don't trim anything in this heat. Who should I listen to? (laughs) Thanks for your show. Mm. Well, you know, Leah, the old joke that I love to tell, what's the only thing that two gardeners can agree on? What? It's what the third gardener is doing wrong. Ah, yes. (laughs) And, um, you know, why don't you, Don... Of course, I think you should listen to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I'm doing an experiment myself at my house because actually last week Leah, you and I contradicted each other because we were talking about cutting stuff back, and I tell people to cut back fall asters at this time of year, but you said don't cut the fall asters back. So I, in my backyard, I have four fall aster plants. I cut two back and I left two. Okay. So that I'll see what happens in the fall. So Don, you could do an experiment and see if uh, you cut half of them back, see how they do. And if you leave half of them, you can see how they do. Yeah. And it's, you know, specifically we were talking about the, like the mealy blue sage. Yeah. Um, what else? The Henry Dolberg. Mystic mm-hmm. Spires. All of those um, Amistad, herbaceous, yeah, sages, yeah, not the woody sages, yeah, not Texas sage, 
Um, and I would use a different method for like common sage. Not t- uh, tr- uh, Salvia gregii. Yeah, not Salvia gregii. Mm-hmm. Now, so. what would you do for, for the culinary garden sage? For that kind of sage and for Salvia gregii, I like to use a different method where I remove the longest branches that are growing horizontally along the ground mm-hmm. as far back as you can reach. And then I trim off, the, if you can, like the fattest branch. Um, if there's any branches that are really, really big and woody, it's a good idea to remove those because they kind of get like a lion's tail effect where they lose all their leaves down at the bottom and they only have leaves out at the ends and they, they lose their vigor. Mm-hmm. So that rejuvenates the plant. And that's... Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what I was going to say. And then I shear the top to remove dead flowers and a little bit of the top growth, like maybe a, th- a quarter to a third of the top of the plant. And that'll keep them looking those. more bushy mm-hmm. rather than leggy. Yeah. Um, and those so, are probably blooming right now, though. So, you know, I wouldn't cut the, I wouldn't, don't think I would cut Selfie Gregia's back right now. Would you? Uh, yeah, I would. You yeah, because they, they kind of take a break at this time of the year where they're not blooming as much as they normally do um, in general. But if you feel bad, you can leave like some of the flowers, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, for the hummingbirds and everybody. But yeah, thanks, Don. I mean, this is just one of those things with gardening where, um, you know, different people have different opinions and, uh, I stand my stand by my um, cutting back uh, Henry Duelberg sages and oh Salvia farinacea the that group the indigo spires and stuff like that by half mm-hmm. at this time of year, but I understand why people might not want to. Right, and you, I mm-hmm. mean, I think people accrue garden knowledge through their experiments, their mm-hmm. their mistakes, their you know things that they've mm-hmm. learned from others, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not an exact science. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's certainly not. There's nothing exact about it, which is why I feel like I love gardening because I am not an exacting person. And we're always mm-hmm. learning. We're always learning. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's all the time we have for today. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah. And everybody have a good weekend. Uh, stay out of the heat. All right. Thanks. See you next week. Bye.